0: build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host Alex Terranova. I am a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators, those brave enough to build their dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money, more time and feel more fulfilled working with me will support you in making that life a reality now if you haven't already please support me and this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on itunes google play or youtube follow me inspirational alex on instagram and please share this podcast with a friend welcome back to the dream mason podcast i'm your host alex terranova And I have a guest with me today who is the owner and founder of Seven Point CBD. He's a health and fitness advocate. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a lifelong mountain biker. Uh, But I think more than anything, what I'm excited to share with you guys today through his story is he's someone who is breaking the mold, believing in himself, believing in a new industry, and really doing something that calls to him without necessarily any evidence or any proof that that there you know there's no path paved before him he's really figuring it out and following a passion a dream i'm excited to introduce mike ba- Sorry, i just botched it ah oh, <laughs> man mike i was so ready mike bang bang god now i'm like
1: <laughs> wow no that's okay it's Ban Higgle, and i've lived with this uh, this name my whole life so it's uh it's a blessing and a curse well, um uh, there aren't.
0: I love two that because we just we just prepped for I was like, how do you pronounce your last name right before we yeah. can record it?
1: Well there. now I see why it gets you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a curse, Alex. Um, M- Ban well, thank Higg- you for that intro. Ban Higgle, yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. All right. We're good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks well, for that intro. Yeah. I'm and I'm stoked to be here. Um, I've done a couple of other podcasts and I really like it. Uh, number one, it kind of helps get the word out about what I'm doing, but more importantly, it helps me kind of regroup and think about what am I doing? Um, because as you said, there's, there's really no, uh, there's no script for this.
0: No. And, and your story and what you're up to is unique and different. And when we talked and got connected, it's more than your company, your life, your vision, your passion for health. There's so much to you. You're, 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 um, you are a wealth of knowledge. So I'm really excited to kind of crack you open and share everything that flows with the audience.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm an open book. So let's knock it out. What do you want to talk about?
0: Well, let's start um, with just, let's just start with CBD first so people yeah. can understand like what seven point CBD is as the founder um, and owner of this company, you know, I'm slightly familiar with it with mm-hmm. the, not only with the company and your products, but with CBD, but like, I'm not an expert and I think it's, it's something that's pretty new on the market and in, in that people are using. And I'd love to have like a clear explanation so people can really understand what it is and why they'd want to use it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a great question. And I mean, that's a really good starting point. Um, so CBD is the sort of the lingo or the, the, Acronym, if you want to call it that, for cannabidiol, which is one of the compounds, one of the phytocannabinoids found in cannabis. And there's roughly, you know, give or take 113 at last count. It's constantly growing as more research is being done, but it's a non psychoactive component of cannabis that's very prevalent in hemp plants. And just like with a lot of marijuana plants that were sort of genetically modified and engineered to create higher THC content, you know, now we have. Uh, farmers and 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 growers focusing on growing hemp plants which are much more uh, concentrated CbD content by nature you know hemp plants have a little bit of thc in them but that's not what we're focused on um, and what's been found mostly anecdotally but now that the laws are starting to change in our favor is that the that, that CBD has a lot of health benefits and that's just because of the way it interacts with the endocannabinoid system. And I think that's an even more important cornerstone to cover for listeners who are trying to understand why CBD and you know this whole notion that there's, oh, well, CBD, it fixes too many things. It's too good to be true. It must be snake oil. Well, I don't blame people for thinking that. But if you understand what the endocannabinoid system is, first of all, every mammal has an endocannabinoid system. So let's define a mammal. You have a spine, you give birth to a live child, and you breathe air. So, that includes whales, dolphins, all mammals, right? Elephants, cats, dogs, pe- us, people. And primarily, we're worried about people, but pets are probably a close second. Um, we all have an endocannabinoid system, and that, that system is made up of three things endocannabinoids that are made from the brain. So, endogenous meaning happening from within. And they're called cannabinoids only because they discovered this system while they were trying to figure out why THC made people high. That's literally how this system was discovered. Then there are enzymes that recycle the endocannabinoids that your brain makes. And then there are receptors, primarily CB1 receptors in your brain, to make it simple, and CB2 receptors pretty much everywhere else. And it's not the kind of system that you can draw a picture of. You. you it, it, not like the skeletal system or the respiratory system or the circulatory system. It's not really clear. It's more of this nebulous kind of a cloud-like thing where it, it happens in different hot spots of concentration. The brain is heavily concentrated with the endocannabinoid system. Where you have dissimilar organ tissue touching, you have it. Um, the peripheral nervous system, all your glands, it's very heavily, it's focused in the glands and the autoimmune system. So it, it's a little bit hard to just say, you know, draw a picture of. And so wherever these three components are co-located, uh, the, one or more of the endocannabinoids. So you have ANA, which is an and 2AG, which is 2 glycerol. There's a lot of big names in this. Um, and then, so the receptors, and then you have um, fatty acid. There's two fatty acid enzymes, FAH and MAGL. And their job is to break down these. So whenever those three things or more, whenever you have at least one enzyme, one receptor, and one endocannabinoid, all co-located, it's considered to be part of the system. And its job is literally, it's the link between mind and body. So here's a really good example of the endocannabinoid system at work at a very basic function. You're working out or it's a hot day and you start to sweat. That was a completely involuntary reaction. But the heat is your body moving out of homeostasis, which is balance and tranquility. The endocannabinoid system's job is to maintain homeostasis. So the brain sends an involuntary impulse to the sweat gland to, hey, let's make some sweat and cool this guy or gal off. The first physiological domino to fall in a chain of events that bring sweat out of your pores is the endocannabinoid system actually sending a physiological signal. So if you've ever seen one of those, like, videos on youtube or whatever and it's the tiniest little piece of paper and then suddenly these larger and larger dominoes fall and at the end a giant block of concrete tips over kind of that sort of chain reaction starts happening at the most molecular level that's the endocannabinoid system at work and it works it works to maintain homeostasis in your body both mentally and physiologically so anything that hurts you you have a broken leg you're fighting the flu you have a cold you're hot, you're cold, you're anything that's out of like status quo, the endocannabinoid system is going to try to work with your body to get back into a happy place. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And it also, it's clear how much, you know, you weren't a scientist before this. I don't think you were right. You weren't a scientist.
1: No, I have an engineering degree. So I'm Sorry. a bit of a geek. But you're. It's it's clear
0: how the depth of knowledge that you've taken in in not just pursuing the company, but in knowing what your product does and how it can help people. So, what is the? How does CBD then? You know, it. You're saying it helps us return to basically status quo. Right.
1: Homeostasis. CBD, right. Yeah. Balance and tranquility. Huh.
0: Get us back to that. Or, well, or how does it help the system?
1: Well, so. Unlike THC, so THC, for those of us who may know somebody who's experienced THC. <laughs> sure. Nobody i talking knows. for a friend here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so when people take THC, it, binds, it, it directly binds into the CB1 receptor. It, it, technically, what it's doing is it's mimicking anandamide, and it's plugging directly into the CB1 receptors in your brain. And your brain is expecting anandamide, something that's there to do a completely different job and send a signal to do certain things. But your brain's like, wait a second, that's not anandamide. All right, well, let's do what we're going to do because now we're high. Um, So CBD doesn't do that. It doesn't plug into the receptor. What it does is it binds to the enzymes. And those, as I mentioned before, those enzymes, they're taking anandamide or anandamide. AEA, which is anandamide, or 2-AG, which is 2 glycerol I think I pronounced it right, it's a big name, their job is to take those things out of circulation. Well, CBD binds to the enzyme that removes anandamide, and so it slows down the degradation of anandamide within your body, leaving more anandamide to do its job within the system. And so something I probably should have said earlier is most of us, because of stress, poor diet, uh impurities within our food chain pesticides processed foods so on and so forth um and poor sleep habits we generally have a state of there's a our 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 endocannabinoid systems are in some state of disrepair uh so when we put more anandamide into circulation and this is this is more me hypothesizing than it is any real scientific proof but I've read enough that I, that I think I'm standing on, I'm not on quicksand here, that when we put more anandamide in circulation, it's going to go out and it's going to start to work with those CB1 and CB2 receptors throughout the body. And I even believe that with more anandamide in circulation, we, the, the cells will sprout more receptors. That being said, how do we get more anandamide in circulation? We, we're taking less out. But when we take things, when we take fatty acids for example or fats um like omega-3-6-9 and 9 fatty acids fish oil for example that helps your brain you know how they've always said fish is brain food well that's what it's doing yeah. it's making these endo it's helping your brain make these endocannabinoids that's the fuel that your brain needs to make them and so one of the things i chose is to use uh, uh hemp seed oil which has lots of omega-3-6-9 and 9 fatty acids there's plenty of carrier oils you could use they're, they're very very good um but you just want to make sure that you're, whatever you're taking, that the carrier has some uh, omega-3, 6, and 9 fatty acids. It's going to boost the system even that much more. Um, so it's sort of a, an all-boats-rise-with-the-tide program, right? So instead of, instead of beating the system up, we're saying, hey, let's take this part of the system that's, that's doing – it's not necessarily doing damage. It's just doing its job, but it's maybe doing its job too good. So let's slow it down so that we put more anandamide in circulation and increase the overall health of the system. Make sense? I hope. It
0: does. Yeah. So what are some ways that people, like I got introduced to this. I mean, I've seen it popping, popping you know, around in, in our world and our society. Now people are talking about it. I really got introduced to it because I had, was having neck pain. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, try this. And it was yours. Um, uh-huh. And I trust where it was coming. I trust the person that it was handing it to me. And I looked at it. and I was like, I'm pretty open. You know, it wasn't something that was gonna like, you know, kill me. I, I was pretty confident in that. And I was well, like, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'll try. I'll try this. And uh, and I know it. I know it didn't get you high or anything. And it was. I really don't like putting Advil, Tylenol, those kind of things. I, I think I be, I'm a believer that it's like dropping little grenades into your gut. Um, And so I was like, hey, I'll try this new, you know, this new or different thing. Um, But at the same time, I also don't really know. And I know you explained it very like scientifically what it would have been doing for my neck. I just believe the person that was giving it to me.
1: Well, ultimately, ultimately any. So most of our pain is inflammation related mm -hmm. and inflammation is not homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So your your endocannabinoid system recognizes that. And is going to go to work to try to fix it. So by strengthening the endocannabinoid system, now we're sending more signals, we're, we're, we're increasing that link between mind and body so that okay. that that the first responders, the endocannabinoid system, are there in greater numbers, trying to get more get, help your body basically recover. So like I said. The, hel- the healthier your endocannabinoid system is, the healthier you are as a being. And your endocannabinoid system works from the cellular level to the organ to the organism. So you, as the organ, or you as the organism, are going to ultimately benefit if you have some tissue that's damaged or an organ that's not necessarily functioning properly. Um,
0: and again, this, I. Go ahead, No, finish your thought. Yeah, I,
1: I'm, I'm not a you know, I'm not like a, I'm not a doctor and I'm not like some biologist. So, you know, I've done my share of research and everything that I spouted off earlier, that was research I did before I ever took CBD for the first time. I wanted to know, okay, well, how does this stuff work? What am I getting into here? What am I putting in my body? And I, you know, I wish I had made decisions like that at a much younger age when I was deciding (laughs) to just go out and party like a maniac, but, um, I'm older and wiser.
0: So, is, is CBD something that, you know, like if I get a stomach ache, I can take a medicine that will, a chemical, you know, a, um, a medicine that will essentially make it go away, regardless of how it does it isn't relevant for this. Mm-hmm. But is CBD something that I would take, hey, like I have a headache, I have a neck pain one time, or is it, is this like a, something I'd want to be putting in my body like nutritious food? on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. To me, to me, this is, it's part of a daily regimen, right? It's uh, just like I, I used to be really big on taking multivitamins. Uh, I'm not so big on that anymore, but it's definitely routine. I, I believe that myself included, we are all in a state of disrepair to one degree or another. And primarily that's the endocannabinoid system. So if I can maintain a healthy endocannabinoid system, I'll probably maintain better health as in general. Um, I don't get sick as often as I used to, and I've been taking CBD now for close to three and a half years. I, generally speaking, I mean, I'm, no, I'm not perfect. I'm no saint. Just ask my wife and kids. I mean, I lose my temper, but I don't think I lose it as severely or as frequently as I might have done in the past. I definitely sleep better. And one of the things that we'll hear about CBD, and I have to be really careful not to make any health claims because then the FDA is like, oh, you're a drug and you're not tested and all these things. So I have to be super careful what I say. But I can speak from my own experience and I can definitely relay the, the, um, the kind of testimonials and feedback and reviews that we've gotten. Um, but I sleep better. I sleep great. And I know I'm sleeping better because I have crazy dreams, which means I'm spending way more time in REM sleep And it's no secret that our bodies recover while we sleep. That is one of the reasons we sleep. So if we're getting better sleep, we will naturally be healthier because our bodies will recover from any of the damage we've done. Now, if we can cut, one of the things I've done this year is I've cut alcohol out completely. I've had two drinks this year, and they were both on the 2nd of January. And nothing since. So Super Sunday was a lot of club soda for me. (laughs) Um, and I just noticed that it's, it's all of these things they combine to just generally give me a better, better mojo on a day-to-day basis. But I credit the CBD with it a lot. I was taking somebody else's brand. I mean, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and decided I was going to make my own brand and started taking my own stuff. I used somebody else's that was high quality and I started really getting into it. And I thought, you know, maybe there's something to be said for this stuff. So I did a lot more research and I started doing some digging to figure out how I could start a brand and build a company. And one thing led to another and here we are.
0: Well, let's actually talk about that because I think that for, for a lot of the people that listen to this podcast, it's really about, you know, there's things that they want, there's goals that they want to achieve. And for so many of us, You know, you and me included. And there's been times in our life where we're like, I want to do something. And then we just don't do it. Or we find all the reasons that, you know, get in the way. But in this
1: case, you, what were you doing before you, before you started this company? Well, I've done quite a few things, but prior to this was uh, selling title insurance. Okay, so it's not not a not the you know when you go to a kindergarten class they're not raising their hand. <laughs> you know, one day I'm going to sell some title insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
0: weren't the most exciting dad to bring to uh, to school that day. Um, yeah, and now you're probably a little controversial to bring to school.
1: Um, for people well, that don't less, understand, right? Less stigma every day. I will say sure. that. Yeah.
0: So what's also is you were selling something that wasn't yours. Um, now you're actually starting a company, company building a brand. You're, you're following your vision and something you really believe in. So how did you make that transition?
1: Well, like you mentioned, I've had other ideas in the past that I didn't act on. And I think we've all had the conversation over a beer at a bar or at dinner with family of, well, I thought of that thing three years ago. Yeah, well, what did you do with that idea? you know, having a thought is nothing right. Um, sort of like I've heard the quote, a goal without a plan is a wish. So I basically, I've, I've been around long enough that I had this idea and I did enough research that I thought, okay, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of risk involved with this, but it's a business. This is a, this is is an industry that's projected to have phenomenal growth. Um, and I felt that I was getting in at an early enough point but the biggest thing was, is I just didn't wait around to ask anybody for permission. There's no one to ask for permission. You have to make a decision that you're going to go ahead and do this thing, whether it works or not. And I didn't want to go to my grave and think, well, gee, what if I had done that CBD business? You know, I, I, could, have, I could have changed the course of my life. I could have made a better life for my family and my kids and helped a lot of people. Um, and I think that that's something that people need to have in their game plan too, is if you're starting something selfishly only because of the money, you need to really, really think about what you're doing. You need to have an altruistic motive as well. If Without an altruistic motive, if you're not trying to help people in some way, it's very empty. And so one of the things I get the biggest charge out of is now when I get feedback from my customers that you know I had this I have, I've been a migraine sufferer for X years and you you know, your CBD is the only thing that's ever helped me or you help me sleep or you do these things. So that altruistic motive is super important to me. I, I want to know that I'm helping people, but let's, I'm not, you know, I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some selfish motivation. It's a business for me. I want to feed my family and I want to do fun things. Um, and I think it really just amounted to kind of having the courage to Look at it in terms of not worrying about what would happen if I failed versus focusing on how awesome it would be if it was successful. That was, and there's an analogy, and there's there's um, there's a story about everybody knows who Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, is, right? Mm-hmm. Well, even when he was very young, he wanted to buy an NFL team. I watched this documentary on him. And he wanted to buy, he could have borrowed money from the Teamsters and bought, I think, the San Diego Chargers. And his dad talked him out of it and said, No way, don't borrow money from them. That's a bad idea. And so he went into the oil business and he, he got to a point where he had amassed $180 million. Now, if I had $180 million, you'd probably never <laughs> see me. Okay? I'm a different breed yeah. of cat, right? So, but Jerry Jones thinks very differently. And I remember they interviewed him and they talked about. Okay, you spent and he it cost 180 million dollars for him to buy the Cowboys when he bought the Cowboys, and his quote was, "and I, this is genius." I wanted to own the Dallas Cowboys more than I wanted to have my money. So, the motivation, and so even for me, I I had to look at this, and I had some savings, and we had some plans with that money, and my wife very graciously looked at this idea and kind of looked at the the way I laid it out, and kind of she. I needed a green light from her. I wasn't going to just do this as a secret. Um, but to me, to a great extent, now it wasn't $180 million gamble, but still I wanted to start this business more than I wanted my money or the security of having that money. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's risky. I mean, look, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm super stoked with where it's ha- what's happened so far. And I feel like when I owning my own business and doing this I am in control of my destiny. And that alone, when I wake up every day and I say, I've never worked this hard in my life. So you, you want to motivate somebody. If you want to be motivated, take your own money and go start a business. And guess what? You're going to start working 18 hours a day because there's no fallback. And the- to me, that's, that's really the key of it. Um, you know, have, have a reason why you're doing it. That's not just, you know, and, and that's so overdone, like what's your why, right? That, that, that's so overdone these days, but there has to be a compelling purpose. And for me, it's knowing that I'm going to help people.
0: So, yeah, I hear you saying, talking about like the, having a why, you know, whatever, regardless of how we say it, but you know, having something that you're up to and a reason to go forward. But then also having something on the line, like you have money on the line or your family's security on the line. There's actually something at stake that that pushes you or pulls you forward at the same time. That's yeah, two- it's a huge <laughs> motivator. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's been the What's been the toughest thing about going from being a guy who gets paid
1: mm-hmm.
0: to being the guy, the only person? Right, you're the entrepreneur. It, it all falls on your shoulders at the end of the day.
1: What's the biggest challenge in that or it has been the biggest challenge or
0: things that you've had to learn in that process?
1: Um I would say the ability to pivot and not and the, the ability to look at what you thought yesterday as being you could as a matter of fact, this has happened to me today. I had put a whole bunch of numbers together and I was like so confident that I had nailed it. And then I looked at it again and I'm like, oh man. That's that's a mistake right there. And you have to be willing to own that mistake, not get upset about the mistake, and move forward and work around it or work through it or regroup and go a different direction. So to me, it's the ability to be very honest with yourself, look at yourself in the mirror, and and know that if you do something that's not necessarily 100% right, those mistakes are going to happen. Don't beat yourself up about it. Figure it out, make a correction, and keep going. You have to keep going. Because if you stop, you have quit. And if you quit on yourself, well, then what's the point of getting out of bed tomorrow? Okay, then go back and get a job for the man. And that's, you know, okay. But I don't think that's what your listeners want to hear.
0: No, but it's honest. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's a recurring theme, especially recently, since the beginning of the year, I think almost every guest has talked about keep going, which it's my, it's kind of my mantra mm-hmm. that if you don't actually stop, you can't fail. There's always exactly. possibility if you continue to move forward, but it's really cool to see that I'm not telling anybody to bring this as a, as a topic, like to say, keep going, but it seems like it's something that is um, that is, uh, similar between lots of successful or people that are building something that are actually on the course, people that aren't stopping at the how, and you and I talked about this and I thought this was the, one of the most interesting things about our conversation before, um, is you talked about intention versus mechanism. Oh yeah. And you know, I've never thought about it or shared or or shared it the way in which you said it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that this ties in, right? Because we're at a place now where it's like, hey, you want something, go get it. Jerry Jones wanted the Cowboys. You wanted to start a company. You wanted to do something different. And I think that we all want something. Whether we're present to it or we're afraid to actually admit it or go get it is another thing. Mm -hmm. But as you said before, hey, ideas aren't worth anything. So you want something, got to go get it. Will Will you talk a little bit about intention versus mechanism?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so this, this goes back to some personal development work I did. Oh my gosh, it's probably 22, 23 years, a long time ago. Um, I had gone through a really rough patch and I was talking to a buddy and he asked me, I forget what he asked me, but he's like, bro, that's, that's really kind of a downer type response. What's going on with you? Let's get together. And so he convinced me to go do this the, this series of seminars that are personal development. It's like, you you pretty much, you have to commit to a weekend. It's like a landmark type thing. And I was kind of skeptical, but I, in the end, it's one of the greatest things I've ever done because it really taught me to be honest. When I look in a mirror, it's like, there's, there's no bullshitting. You can only, you, you won't, you lie to yourself, you know, you're lying. Um, and, so they, they played this not not necessarily a game, but they asked this question and they said, Okay, if you have a think of a goal in your life that you want, right? So we all kind of close our eyes and think of this goal. And then they asked the question, okay, what percentage of getting that goal is your intention to get it, your desire, your drive. And then what percentage of, of your likelihood of attaining that goal are the mechanisms, whether it's money, relationships, equipment, capital, whatever. And so, you know, everybody in the room has this different mix of percentages, Is it 60-40, is it 50-50, is it 80-20? And the instructor just kind of said, keep thinking, keep thinking, keep, you know, dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper. And at some point, you have this aha moment that it is 0% mechanism and it is 100% intention. And very much, I use the term burn the ships a lot. So for people who have read, I think it's Think and Grow Rich. The, the analogy, the burn the ship's analogy is in there. I'll circle back to it in a minute. But if you really honestly think about a goal that you want, and whatever that goal might be, if you want it bad enough, you'll find the money. You'll find the relationships. You'll, you'll make things happen. And so it's never about the money. The money will be there if you need it. You could, I, could have, I could have started the business with less money or potentially no money. I could have gone to friends and family and borrowed a little bit of money. You can find money. You can find all of these things if you want it bad enough. And that's the issue. Do you want it bad enough to do it no matter what the circumstances are that surround you? Because all circumstances are going to do is give you a reason to make an excuse to tell yourself you can't do it. And then you can buy that excuse and, again, go back to work for the man. It's that simple. I love the.
0: First off, it's so great that this comes from like 20 years ago that how, I don't know how long, right. It's been like Probably that longer there, that Probably. seed got planted yeah. you know, in you. And, and now it's actually, it's almost like it bloomed in a way. And you might've been able to talk about this, but the action of creating your own company, the action of creating seven points is the actual manifestation of this knowledge that you took on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's funny, like, yeah, that, that, that seed was planted so long ago and it took, you know, I've, I've had other ideas, but I never have I owned that intention mechanism mindset the way I have with this thing. It, it, so maybe it took 20 years to germinate in my thick skull. I don't know.
0: I, you know, I, I, I like it, the intention and mechanism because a lot of people talk about it. I talk about it with my clients as, um, as how we, we think how is the thing that stops us, right? Like how you said it, how will I get the money? How will I get the permits? Where will, how will I? And it's funny because you could just Google almost, any. you can Google almost anything and get yeah. the answer. Mm-hmm. And if you can't Google it, there's likely another place you can get the information. So how mm. is, you know, the, the killer of dreams basically.
1: Well, how uh, is a mechanism,
0: right? Mm-hmm. It's, I I love the intention. The intention, it's just a different way of speaking to how much you care, how much you desire, what's your, it could be your, why it could be what's on the line if you don't do it. But what's the thing that, um, with you right now in doing this, you're out of your element in in the sense of this, isn't your, this isn't the the business that you've spent the last 20 years figuring out how to do. Uh When you get kind of beat up, pushed around, beat down, you question, you know, how you're going to do it or, you know, when things come up that get in your way at this point, how do you get over those circumstances or those hurdles as they arise?
1: Um, well, I suppose this is a good analogy. I, 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 coach my kids' baseball team and I've been coaching little kids' baseball since my, this is probably a I usually try to assist, but every once in a while, I get you know, (laughs) you know, finagled into doing the head coaching honors. It's and it's a lot of work. Um, But one of the things when I work with kids, especially hitting, is you just tell them that wasn't your pitch. This wasn't your at bat. You have to remember uh, that. And I like the baseball analogy a lot for a lot of reasons. But if we think about a somebody who bats 300 over their career. They failed 70% of the time, mm-hmm. okay? But they succeeded. They, they only succeed 30% of the time, but they go to the Hall of Fame for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have to remember, we don't win, champions lose rounds. I think that's a popular meme that's going around mm-hmm. on Instagram right now. <laughs> um, and, and so you don't win them all. You don't win, the, the guy who wins the poker championship doesn't win every hand. He just needs to win every round on his way up. So you just, I just look for how can I get more wins than losses or if, but, but to answer your question specifically, when I get in a situation where that's not working, then I just, I, my mindset is then that doesn't meet my business strategy or my business need, or that person isn't the right partner for me. So I will just continue to look until I find the right answer or the right person. In other words, that's just not my fit period. Mm -hmm. And I move on. And, uh, and the other thing that helps is a short memory. Nice.
0: I just saw today uh, they were comparing Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and you know Tom Brady's been to the Super Bowl now nine times and he's won six. But that's that's a great percentage, right? We take that. But then if you actually look at it, he's been in the NFL for 19 years. So in actuality, he lost. He did not win the championship 13 times. And if we look at Michael Jordan. Yeah, he won all six times he was there, but he was in the NBA for 15 years. So 9 years he didn't win a championship or didn't compete for one. Right. Um, but we don't think about it, right? Cuz what we hold on to is they're the best. And I love the short memory piece. I haven't I don't hear a lot of people say like, hey, kind of forget about it and move on. Is there a thing that you do if you if you're actually like really feeling it, like really doubting yourself? Do you, I mean, do you have moments where you question and doubt yourself?
1: They're pretty rare, um, you know, but I'd be lying if I said, yeah, that's, that's human, right? We're, as a human, that's just part of our condition. We are going to have doubts. That's just an emotion that we all face. Um, I, I, think, I, I think one of the blessings is a blessing and a curse is I'm so busy that I don't have time to dwell on it. Uh, and, and I just, if I'm doubting this thing over here, it's not, and I've never been at, I'm very fortunate. I've never been in a place where I'm doubting the, the scope of the business as a whole. It's usually like a component. It's this one little thing that, so it's parts and pieces that'll nip at me a little bit, but I just remind myself that that's not the, that's not the, the entire landscape. So yeah, there might be some weeds in that part of the yard, but the rest of the yard looks awesome and I just mowed it and there's a hammock over there and it's a beautiful day. So let's not focus on, on the one part, you know, the, the one little, that's like saying my glass is 90% full and I'm going to dwell on the 10% that isn't there. Um, and I think, again, it's just if your if drive and determination are there, they will overcome the doubt. I guess
0: I hear you saying like choosing where you put your focus, right? Hey, there's weeds over there, that looks great over there, but I'm gonna choose to focus on that, whereas somebody else might choose to focus on the weeds, even though the yeah. other thing exists.
1: Yeah, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that as long as that doesn't become so encompassing. You know, that's I think what we would call like just this oversensitivity to a, one little problem, like the storm in a teacup mentality. And I'm not saying that I don't think about the little patch of weeds over there, but sometimes if you go over and you continue to nurture what's working, it will overpower the thing that isn't working. And that thing will somehow, sometimes not addressing the little problems, they'll fix themselves or they'll just go away. Or if they continue to nag, sometimes it's just a matter of giving yourself enough free space to let your subconscious chew on it and then you'll be like, aha, why don't I just call so-and-so? They know how to solve that problem better than I do.
0: I think a lot so, of the, the little things become the distraction too, to have us avoid the things that we need to be doing or we could be doing yeah. or the next big mountain that we climb. We're so right. focused on those weeds that we don't build the jungle gym next to the hammock. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, that's, uh, the old, that's the old edge fear of prosperity.
0: Will right. you say more about that? I don't know that.
1: Well, I mean, I've heard this analogy or this, this saying a lot that we all have a fear of prosperity. There's okay. Yeah. We are all as our upbringing, we're all wired to kind of be happy at a certain place. Mm -hmm. You know, you're used to making X amount of money. So you get to a point where you're going to move up, but we sort of self-sabotage so that we can stay where we are because our mind loves to be right and so maybe we tell ourselves we don't deserve to be at the next level or two levels up and we will find a way to self sabotage and focusing on the focusing on the 10% or the 5% that's really not going well versus nurturing the 90 to 95% that are is a way of self sabotaging and shrinking shrinking that pie to the point where you know what? The subconscious got to be right. I do make X amount of dollars, not five times what I normally make. And it's, that's a hard thing. Even that's a hard thing for me. It's a hard thing for most people to get over because we're all to a certain extent, pigeonholed unless we're born into some family that's like uber wealthy. Um, you know, you hear You hear as, you know, yes, we're, we, the success stories are put in front of us, the Gary V's of the world, right? But for every Gary V there's 20,000 people that tried and didn't make it. Well, what held them back? It was that getting to that next level up or moving, you know, going from making $70,000 a year to $700,000 a year was not something that they were used to. It wasn't their comfort zone. So subconsciously they found a way to self-sabotage.
0: Yeah. I've never heard, I didn't know the the fear of prosperity. I've never heard it put like that. It's uh, I think of it a lot as in we're not, we're not okay with the consequences of success. Yeah. You know, we think, Hey, I want to write this book or build this company and we're, and subconsciously there's that fear of wait, when we do that thing then we're going to get criticized, we're going to be at the spotlight on us. Mm-hmm. But we, and I think that that's a way to get past it is actually address that fear is not just keep it hidden in the background. Like, okay, so what? Maybe I will, but there's also some benefits. Like, do I, am I more worried about the criticism that I'm going to get or the attention versus the being able to live a better life and be more prosperous and take care of my kids, whatever it is that, that people want.
1: Yeah. Just, well, and, and again, I think that you could say that some of that fear is rooted in fear of prosperity mm-hmm. because what are, what are we leaving behind? If we want a new life, it's going to cost us our old one. And yeah, there are going to be, there are going to be different criticisms and judgments and, and different problems to solve at a higher level. And I think, I think sometimes that's what holds people back too, or that's what holds people back, is that they don't have a skill set to deal with the different set of problems that are going to come with success because it it brings a whole new set of problems. I mean, I deal with stuff on a daily basis that I have never dealt with before, but it's the most exciting part of what I do because I learn something every day. And, and that's, I, I guess that's another piece of advice is, you know, be willing to learn, be willing. I look at everybody as being enlightened you know, to the guy I'm standing next to at the grocery store, to you, or, you know, the people that are kind of my close circle of advisors as I move forward through this process and the people that have been in the industry longer that I count on for advice and information, everyone is not, everybody knows something that I don't. So to that degree, they're enlightened.
0: The whole, this whole conversation, everywhere we are going, it all comes back to mindset. Like yeah. in some way, shape or form, right? This is not, you're not a s- specialist at, at this point you are, you're, 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 you're gaining mastery over what CBD is and you're building that, but you weren't when you started, you weren't an expert in entrepreneurship, you weren't an expert, you know, and at, at, at many of the things that are going to come with building this business.
1: Hell, I wasn't an expert at even the most fundamental financial modeling when it comes to a business like this.
0: Um, and you start, and you started anyway. And, yeah. And but the mindset piece, I'm just so present to how powerful it is because it's the thing that has you. Be, it's the thing that enables you to keep going. That if your mindset was on something else or focused on something else or, you know, you didn't, you took the time, even let's just say twenty years ago, to go to a seminar. That maybe that moment, that choice. Actually, sent you on a path that brought you here, right? We, we don't know what how yeah, the
1: butterfly effect, <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> yeah. But if we think about it, how many people have been invited to events or seminars or talks or things and we turn them down? But and some hey, we're not going to do every single thing, but sure. we never know. And I think one of the things I'm present to as we have this conversation is your mindset plays a huge part in your success and the development of this company, and likely the way you're raising your kids. I bet you're a great baseball coach, regardless of how much you know about baseball because of your attitude.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, just to touch on that, I mean, for me, the baseball coaching is far more about giving these kids. I'm not going to, I'm not, first of all, we have not had one child in the history of our baseball league here. Our little, our, our little fiefdom little league, not one kid has ever come from our little league and made it into major league baseball. Okay. So, No pressure (laughs) that, yeah, that in and of itself, you know, tells me a lot. I'm far more concerned with things like sportsmanship and teaching them to be patient with themselves, that they're not experts. And, you know, you're not going to hit a home run every time you go to bat. And like one of the things that literally over the holidays almost brought like tears to my eyes, a kid that I was helping, I, I was not the coach. I was the assistant coach. But one of the things I, I would tell these kids is if you want to be an expert at anything, you need, especially sports related, you need to spend 10,000 hours practicing that. That's basically five years of full time work. Okay. And over the Christmas break, the guy who coaches the team, this team was a year ago, over a year ago, his, he sent me a text and he said, I just want to let you know, and, and this isn't the first time this guy has sent me a text like this. You have made an impact with my son. He was listening to my other daughter or my daughter complain about the fact that she wasn't very good at something. And he went over to her and he said, Coach Mike told me that if you want to be really good at something, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. How many hours have you spent? Then don't expect to be an expert. Expect to be someone who's practicing that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so that's like making that little impact. That is, that's why I would, that's why you coach Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I would hope Drop that some the of the kids I coach, they make it to high school baseball. That's, that would be really awesome. Yeah. Um, but it's more about sportsmanship and Hey, show up to practice. Let's give it a focus. Let's respect the other people that are here to help you. Let's respect each other. We're a team, those kind of things that's that tend to get lost in this world of daddy ball and people spending thousands of dollars on private coaching for their kid. Who's probably going to quit baseball in three years anyway.
0: <laughs> um, well, I, I, have been telling a lot of people this and I don't know why this has come up recently, but my, I was a baseball player and okay. I, I I played into high school. So I was, I, I got outside of, you know, little league or whatnot, but my dad was the best coach I ever had. And the reason i say it, it's not that he was the most technical you know i i had coaches that knew more than him in high school and some like p- pitching coaches that had gone out to the minor leagues and things like that but the reason that my dad was the best coach that i ever had was because he cared about every single kid that you know when i was 10 and i was like the best player in the league and my dad would take me to to practice and we would you know go an hour before and stay an hour later luckily I had a dad who could do that and would do that. He would also call the parents of the kid who was the worst kid on the team mm-hmm. and go, Hey, we're going to go this extra hours of practice. You want me to pick up your son? And as a kid, I was like, you know, why do I got to practice with the sucky kid basically? And as an adult, and I think back, I'm like, man, my dad was, first of all, a really good guy. He's still around. I'm not, this is not, he's not, not a good guy now. <laughs> um, but that he's a, like, how many people wouldn't have done that, that it was about something bigger and, and who knows what happened to those kids. But I have to think the same thing you're saying that he left an impact. He left an impact. He made a mark. He cared about somebody that maybe no one else cared about or spent time with. Um, and to me,
1: and And again, sometimes it's not about baseball. Sometimes it's just about getting a kid to, to talk to you, Mm -hmm. you know, to learn, to communicate with other adults that are not their parents. Mm-hmm. or to learn to communicate with other kids or to share something. That's a tough one these days. Get a, get a kid to share. That's ooh.
0: <laughs> what's the uh, I don't go back. What's, what's your big vision with seven points?
1: Um. Well, Ed, that's, it's really interesting it, that that's evolving. Um, but I, I saw the other day a, a buddy of mine who's an investment banker sent me a list of the top, the, the 20 biggest CBD companies in the country. And surprisingly, a few of those on the list, more than a couple of them, had less than 1% market share, yet they still made the top 20. I'd like to make that list. That would be rad. Um, I, and I have some things moving in the right direction. I have a. A relationship with a national distribution company, um, in more in the specialized sports space that, um, is going to take me, you know, we're, we're, that's a huge step up. Um, I'm also talking to other distributors, uh, one in the premium grocery space. Um, and then some other companies that are even interested in white labeling, what I do, they want their brand, but they like, Hey, we like what you do. We like your message. Um, so you know, I want to grow the company to a point where it's still fun. Um, And this is the thing you hear all the time about entrepreneurs. They start a business that they're super passionate about and the thing gets too big for them to control anymore. They, they, they just, they, they lose, they lose control. They don't understand. um, You know, it's one thing to run a company up to, let's say, 10 or $20 million of revenue. I, I don't know what these plateaus are, but I'm just making some numbers up. But then if you want to go to a $100 million company, it requires this completely different mindset. So then you hire this CEO who might've come from a completely different industry and they come over and they do some things and yeah, they, they generate the revenue, but the brand, you know, that, that, um, that soul starts to thin out a little bit. Um, and so for me, it's about kind of growing this company as big as I can grow it. And so that, but yet still maintain the soul and the integrity that I'm putting into it day to day on my own. Um, and I say on my own, but I mean, I have a lot of help. I I have independent consultants that I work with. Um, I have my friend, Tim, I could thank up and down because without him, I wouldn't have the branding and the vibe that. That that I have, I'm super stoked on my branding. Um, I have a couple of independent salespeople that are you know sending me some 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 smaller but but consistent wholesale orders. Uh, I'm getting the message out, and you know so all of the all the web based sales that are coming in, you know that kind of falls under you know my purview. But I'm I'm actually kind of at this at the knee of the curve where I need to start thinking about all right. Do I, I need, I might need to hire somebody here? And I might, I might, you know, I, and if I hire that person, what am I? And I think this is the biggest problem for most people. I know it's going to be a problem for me. And I think that's the worst blind spot ever is thinking you don't have any blind spots and I have a billion of them. <laughs> um, but I know for me, a big blind spot is going to be relinquishing control of a certain, you know, part of the business, right? Some function has to be handed off to somebody else. And I have to trust that they're going to do it their way. And it's going to still be good enough because it won't be my way. They won't make the mistakes I make. They'll make their own mistakes. And I think I've, I think I've had enough business experience um, because prior to the title thing, I used to, I used to be in the construction engineering and I was project manager for a big home builder. And one of the things I learned really early on in, in management or middle management, if you will, is, it's a lot easier to, let's say you have 50 things you need to get done in one day. It's much easier if you can offload 30 of those things to somebody else and let them screw up three. They're gonna make mistakes, but at least the other 27 got done right and you didn't have to do it. And so that's, I, I think as long as I can manage that mentality going forward and bringing other people on and trusting them and, and empowering them to do a really good job. Um, I think we'll get there.
0: And you said something before that I want to give you back because it's yours. Um, you made a comment earlier that if you want to have a new life, you often have to give up the old one. Yeah, And I think that we could apply that same thing when you were talking about, you know, as you get bigger, yeah, you're going to have to relinquish things about your current life. If you want to step up and be the CEO, yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, and I'm thank God that these problems exist because as a coach who mostly works with entrepreneurs and and people that are developing brands and businesses, I wouldn't have a a career if uh, if people didn't have blind spots that I could support them to get out of their own way with. Yeah. But yeah, it's like that. Hey, it was you. The way the road you took to become vice president isn't going to help you become president. It's like you got to take a new road mm-hmm. and get new skills and give up those old things. So. But those were your words, basically. You said that before. So, um, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, and I owe the credit to somebody else. I'm sure I saw that as a meme on sure. Instagram. My whole life is Instagram <laughs> memes anymore. It's, it's, it's so
0: sad. What's the thing? You, can't, you you actually said it. I was writing down some questions I wanted to ask you as we were going. And one was the thing, the next thing you have to overcome. And you basically answered it without me asking it, which is how do you get to it? You're going to have to relinquish some control. You're going to have to trust some other people. hmm Is there, is there any kind of besides you've given so much wisdom and so much advice to people that are, that are working on something or want to be working on something, but is there any other tidbit that you're like, you know what? I wish I had known this as a budding entrepreneur or someone building a company before I'd gotten started that I know now.
1: (sighs) How much time do you have? Um, A couple minutes.
0: (laughs) If you have a couple minutes, I got a couple minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. I would say, I, I just, you can never be too organized. Um, and by that, I mean, right down to just how you keep your, pi- your paperwork, what does your desk look like? What does your workspace look like? Uh, because that's a reflection of where your mind is. Um, so think about what your organization I mean like your administrative like housekeeping type organization is going to look like and as much room as you think you need you're going to need more because I am flabbergasted at the amount of and I don't consider myself like a paper monger I don't like generate excessive amounts of paper um, but I'm never I'm constantly surprised at the amount of paper trail that i generate and the number of files that get generated and at first it was oh well i just need one little file on my computer i'll just put everything in there and the next thing you know you're looking through a list of like 300 files and you're like well how the hell did i get here so just lay out what that organization needs to be and don't be afraid more is better when it comes to (laughs) subfolders i'm finding Um, because you'll you know, that's a pitfall for me is I end up, oh, well, if I had built that as I went along, I wouldn't have to spend the three hours on a Saturday, like reorganizing my files. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, get with, get with a good bookkeeper early. That's another good piece of advice. Find a good bookkeeper and, you know, be willing to offload some of the stuff and this is a piece of wisdom that, I'll, that I will relate from the guy who talked me, or not talked me, but recommended that I go to the personal development thing. His, his life mantra was kind of like, if you don't love doing it, delegate it. So if you don't love the bookkeeping end of it, find a bookkeeper and give it to them. If you don't love organizing your physical files, find somebody that'll come in for two half days a week and organize that shit for you. Sorry if I dropped the S bomb, but I don't, I don't think, um, can listen to the podcast. Yeah. We can say whatever we want. Uh, but in other words, you know, know, what your strengths are and play to them and bring other people in for your week. Like I know I'm not a good designer. I, I come up with the worst possible ideas for my brand. Sure. So when I came up with the idea for this whole thing and what's so funny is, and if you go to my website and I don't, I don't have any product I can hold up and it's not what this is about, but if you go to my website you'll see the logo for my company and the company name is seven points. And people always ask, why'd you call it seven points? And I'm like, cause I lack imagination and there's seven points on a cannabis leaf. Okay. That's pretty simple. Um, but I went to my, I went to my friend, Tim, and I said, Tim, you have complete artistic control. You can make this thing look whatever you want. I don't care what colors we use. I don't, but the only thing I ask is that our logo is not some reference to a cannabis leaf. And what did I get? I got a geometric cannabis leaf here. Pull it up on my phone. You can see it. And and the thing is, I love it more than anything in the world. But if it had been up to me, I would have gone a completely different direction. I would have had a horrible logo. Mm -hmm. So trust other people and trust them to do like some really kick-ass stuff. Um, And then don't be be afraid to admit you're wrong.
0: So other people can see it that are listening and not watching what you're about to put on the, on the screen. Uh-huh. Uh, what's your website?
1: It's the word seven S E V E N points, plural com. So seven points, CBD.com.
0: Um, and since you're obsessed with Instagram, as you shared earlier, is there an Instagram account that people should be following?
1: Yes, absolutely. That is also, uh, it's just called seven points and it has our logo. How come I can't find my logo files? <laughs> here we go. Come on. Uh, yeah. Well, here. Oh, can you see that?
0: I can see it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it looks like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, and I don't know. I've completely lost track uh, no of my worries. train of thought here.
0: Where were we? No worries. Um, no, we were we. We, the, the thought was actually finished. Um, okay. I want to, uh, I just want to thank you for doing this. You know, you, um, besides explaining what CBD is talking about the, 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 I want to say the scientific piece, the, why we would want to take it, how it helps us, um, actually like, you know, listening to this, it's, I could actually talk about it. I could actually be informed about something that yeah. At, to this point, I really had no idea what it was. Um, and not in a way of like, hey, you guys should be doing this, and you're, you know, waving a finger at us that we're wrong, that we're not. Or, but it was just very informational. So, thanks for sharing what you've learned. Thanks for bringing a ton of wisdom and brilliance. And um, there's like a uh, there's a kindness and a patience and a almost a um, a guide. There's this guide piece of you that's like, hey, this is this is how we can do things. Whatever it is that you want to do, yeah. this is the path to achieving it. So thanks for sharing that. I know that you've done the work to cultivate that. So thanks for sharing it with us.
1: It has been my pleasure. And this was really fun because I've done a couple of other podcasts and the focus has really been on my product and really like what CBD is all about and really going down that wormhole and talking about all things that, that, that are you know very granular. This has been really fun for me to talk about just the, the bigger picture of entrepreneurship and what I'm doing. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's generally, it's, it's spurred some inspiration within me just talking to you. And it's reminded me, oh, I need that thing and that thing. And I've got other stuff, you know, so this is awesome. I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. So thank you for having me.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for telling me that. I love to, when I love when people create value for themselves. I think it's something that we don't – I learned this from my mentors, but we don't appreciate this or, or give enough credit to it that, like, I didn't do that for you. Like, you cultivated that and generated some value for yourself on this while you were sharing and giving us the opportunity to generate value for ourselves. So it's, it's, uh, it's very cyclical. Appreciate you sharing yeah awesome. Uh, we got your, we got the ways, is there anything besides Instagram that people should be following?
1: Uh, Yeah. We're on Facebook as seven points. Okay. Um, I, I will definitely admit I spend way more time kind of curating the Instagram thing just because it's a little simpler and more organic to me. Uh, but I, I get the finger waved at me Talk about waving a finger that we've got to do more with the Facebook. That's a huge audience, and you're you're not you're not responding to them enough. I'm like, okay, okay, but I just like Instagram because it's. <laughs> it's I think it's easier. I don't know. No, um, I, I'm I, I'm with you. I'm mark close. that down as another one of my blind spots. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being here. I really I appreciate your time, you bet, Alex. Yeah, for sure.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason, because your dreams don't believe me.